0: It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.
1: You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel, serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition
0: Good morning, and welcome into the twenty four seven sports football recruiting podcast. I'm national recruiting analyst Cooper Zagan alongside twenty four seven sports director of scouting Andrew Ivans, and we are going to wrap up NFL draft week by going through five stars that went undrafted, going all the way back to twenty seventeen. A lot of stories. Andrew, we'll recap what some of those conversations were like, but Drew, a little tidbit on there before we get started. Our Brandon Macello reporting that the Big Twelve might play games in Mexico. You got a take on that? What do you What do you think on that? It seems like Big Twelve is following in the footsteps of Roger Goodell in the NFL. I
1: thought you were going to say Pac twelve, right? Did they? Aren't they going to Australia? Or they went to our, Australia at some point? I'm all for uh, it. I just want some some social content with the you boys like Mexico. <laughs>
0: That's I don't a know Twitter's reference by the way for those of you who are not or not old enough to understand that
1: <laughs> uh, just uh, it seems like they're going outside the box right um, Marcelo also reported on 24/7 sports that they're gonna do like in in-game interviews on the sidelines I'm kind of interested in to see how how those would go uh, remember UCF headed to the big 12 Gus Malzon friend of the podcast he was on the show pretty buttoned up. I can't imagine him just knocking out a sideline interview in the middle of a game. But, hey, um, maybe that's the future.
0: I mean, it's not the same as the NBA, right? The NBA has between quarters. You have an assistant coaching staff. You have 82 games. These guys are veterans. Like, for your attention not to be on your team, and I'm not saying that a head coach can't make 20, 30 seconds – to a minute for an interview during the game, but like, wh- where's that gonna come? TV timeout? Like that would that would make the most sense, right? Have to be a TV timeout, come back, air the game, and then also air the interview at the same time. I, it, I have a hard time wrapping my head around seeing an interview why the game is happening. Yeah. But I, I will I just... say, like, sorry, I, I, I will say, like, I like the outside the box thinking by the Big 12, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. NFL played some some games in Mexico, right? And didn't we just get a baseball game uh, somewhere in, in, in Mexico?
0: We got games in Mexico. We got games in Germany. We obviously have games in London. I don't know if college football is going to go so international. Notre Dame in Ireland, right?
1: FSU's in Ireland next season as well.
0: Florida State in Ireland. Yeah, that's. I I wonder if there's any untapped markets in in college football we're not thinking about, but super fascinating there. You know the game that I really enjoyed watching last year? Week zero, I believe. Lance, correct me if I'm wrong. Vandy in Hawaii.
1: Yeah, I think that was early season. I don't know if it was week zero.
0: It was a fun game. I think it had to be week zero or week one. It was one of the two, but that was fun. Vandy coming out with the new logo. Barton Simmons in the game big win for them. All right, Drew, should we get into uh, a topic that was suggested by a friend of mine? Shout out to Josh Cox, West Coast scout, Cleveland Browns. He said, hey, you guys should go back through and take a look at the guys that were unsuccessful, the guys that did not get drafted, the guys that you had ranked high. Well, it's a great exercise, and sometimes that's how you learn. And before we get started with that, I want to make sure to Remind you, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. Guys, we appreciate you listening. Also, I'm in a remote location, air quotes, New Orleans. That means New Orleans. New Orleans, you take the good with the bad, not great Wi-Fi down here is what it is. A lot of Florida man vibes, but we're dealing with it. So If I go out, Andrew's going to pick up the slack. I'll come back in, and then we'll just kind of fill time. All right, Drew. Let's talk twenty seventeen. A guy that you were pretty eager to well, talk about.
1: Set the, set the stage. Nine nine five stars undrafted, right?
0: From twenty seventeen to twenty twenty, is that correct?
1: Right. Draft eligible guys that had declared. Nine of them not selected.
0: Pretext for the context. All right, we ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Twenty seventeen. Hunter Johnson. Who remembers Hunter Johnson? number 30 player overall, number two pro-style passer in 2017, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, number one player in Indiana. He's invited to the Pittsburgh Steelers rookie minicamp, Drew. He started his career under Dabo Sweeney at Clemson, transferred to Northwestern under Pat Fitzgerald, then ends his career under Dabo Sweeney in Clemson, taking the... Very seldom road traveled as a former five star to somebody that knew he was going to finish his career as a backup.
1: Boy, so Drew, I'm gonna
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna let you tee off on this one because I I gotta be honest, when I was on the other side, this was one that never really computed for me. I I'm never, cool. I never saw it. I didn't I didn't do a deep dive, but the tape that I I breezed, I was like, I just I don't see the What's the intrigue here? So take us down memory lane, if you, if you don't mind.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I'm glad I'm glad you said that. And um, I dug into Hunter Johnson this morning. And uh, one initial takeaway is I, I can't believe, like, it says a lot that he's still getting an opportunity at the NFL level. I know it's a rookie camp invite, uh, but just kind of amazing. I mean, this guy hasn't had any success in college. He went to Clemson. Uh, a guy named Trevor Lawrence came behind him, transfers to Northwestern, is consistently in quarterback battles at Northwestern, never breaks through there, and then he reaches out to Dabo about being potentially a graduate assistant, and uh, they needed another arm, so he ends up being a quarterback. I think he threw six passes this past season. First transfer that Clemson had ever took. He's a, uh um, <laughs> what word am I searching for here? He's, he's one of a kind, right? Um, opened up opened Dabo's eyes to the transfer portal and coop i do have some some stories on hunter johnson at the time young andrew ivans i had no idea what i was doing uh i was covering notre dame up in south bend and hunter johnson was this highly regarded quarterback i think at the time he might have been um the number one recruit of uh, in the in the midwest He was opening up his junior season, was a huge target for the Irish. So I drove from South Bend to Indianapolis. It's about like two and a half hours. Not not an exciting drive, but uh, went to see Hunter's first game of his junior season. Uh, He was at Brownsburg High School. And I will never forget uh, his team lost 55-34, kind of a shootout game. Hunter threw three touchdowns, three interceptions. So we drive all the way down here. Um, to see him and he would not meet with the media after the game. He was so upset um you know I'll leave it at that. He was he was pretty pretty upset in terms of a uh, red face after the game didn't do any interviews ended up committing to Clemson or excuse me to Tennessee three days after that game eventually flips to Clemson. So I always thought it was kind of weird just how he reacted to that loss. Um, and took it, that always stuck with me, just Hunter Johnson, just, I don't know, it, it didn't feel like kind of a, kind of a killer out there, um, felt like maybe the moment was a little too big for him, and he kind of broke down a little bit, so I'll never forget that about Hunter, and then Coop, when you start digging into his profile, and what he did at the high school level in Indiana, I mean, there are red numbers everywhere all up and down uh 3 year starter at Brownsburg 16 and 15 record like you know you're supposed to be the dude right we had Mark Pantoni come on here and talk about how important it is to be a, a winning a winning quarterback i from what i could gather he was 16 and 15 53.7% completion percentage not good right and then if you look at his interception rate so ints por- per pass attempt 26.8 that's that's also low as well so uh i was not involved in the rankings then um you know obviously hindsight's 2020 20, but just kind of you know when you when you dig in it's like why well, was this guy ranked where he was
0: do you remember any cookie crumbs from those conversations like did you pick up on on anything in terms of hey what's the what's the intrigue why why are we locked in on this cat as a top 32 player?
1: I mean, he could spin it, I think, in a camp setting, right, without the shoulder pads. And the other thing is Hunter was a track athlete. Like, he was a pretty big deal runner, I think. His 4x400 four team, I want to say, set some state records there. And I think he missed part of the Elite 11 finals because he had a run at states at the state meet and then showed up late. Um, but everyone – I mean, everyone – I just said Notre Dame was in on him. Tennessee was in on him obviously Clemson they they pried him away from the volunteers just a lot of different people liked him um and uh, I, you know he's still getting an opportunity in in a, in a rookie mini camp
0: I wonder as we go through these are there like even if it's a past regime even if you're not including in the conversation like or right, what is the lesson learned and i think Drew you talked about it 16 and 15 record three seasons as a starter 53.7 completion rate and then the int rate at 26.8 certainly concerning so you talk about those red numbers right physically had the attributes you can certainly fall in love if you want to call it the pre-draft process at the high school level so that that was an interesting one i just remember watching him on the tape when i was 2017 that that i think i was at cincinnati at the time and because he was in our our region there was some familiarity with him there but yeah there's sometimes there's a couple guys that don't compute and you you wonder and say hey am i on an island here because the industry has a strong conviction in this player so hunter johnson
1: i i think the other thing too uh, quarterback evaluations are not easy right there's a reason these guys transfer close to 70 percent of the time um, But I think when you open up the hood and you, you kind of investigate, it's like, all right, you know, there was definitely some indicators that maybe he wouldn't be the guy.
0: I guess what I'm saying is typically if in if you're in that position. Right. So, like, let's take our process. For example, you look at the quarterbacks that we had ranked as five stars last year. I think it was five of them. Right. You had Arch Manning, Nico Iyamae-Lieva, Dante Moore, Malachi Nelson, and Jackson Arnold. And I think we had Arnold higher than, than Nelson at the end of the day. Correct. You had a four-year starter in Arch Manning. Sure, lower level of competition, but a guy that body of work we felt very comfortable with. You had a... Two-year starter with a limited sample size. And and Nico, I can never get that name right. And the only thing with Nico that I think maybe stood out a little bit was we didn't have this full picture, but every time you turned on the tape, there were a lot of wow moments. And then the TD to INT ratio as a junior was, like, exceptional. What was he, like, 33 to 1? Yeah. Dante Moore, body of work. Second to none. Then you go to Jackson Arnold, two years as a starter. Denton Ryan checked every box, not only from an athletic standpoint, from, from a completion rate standpoint, and then not to mention on the ground as well. He was he was different than every other quarterback. And then Malachi Nelson at Los Olomitos, if you wanted to knock his game, maybe you could talk about him throwing the football to – Makai Lemon and DeAndre Moore in a very open offense. But also another guy over the last two years of his high school career, very productive, right? So I guess, I guess what I'm saying is there would have to be some reference point in the evaluation process that was so convincing to be able to overlook that win-loss record and that completion percentage. And I guess what I'm saying is from a physical trait standpoint, there was nothing about Hunter Johnson on the field that wowed you when you looked at the tape, at least in my opinion.
1: Right. And I I got to throw up a tag and a flag right here. DeAndre Moore was at St. John Bosco, did not catch passes from Malachi I Nelson. As a,
0: as a senior, he transferred. DeAndre Moore was at Los Alamitos as a junior.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I stand corrected. I just didn't want, you know, the West Coaster's coming at you. I'll tell
0: you what, if those are the type of Patagonia flags we're throwing, we're in the weeds. That's a good spot to be, right?
1: Uh, Last thing I'll say on Hunter Johnson, I think this can kind of be a theme here with this. Guy that was probably ranked high early on, okay, early on. You fall in love with the multi-sport stuff that, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks that were just drafted, multi-sport guys – Um, and someone that, you know, would never, the rankings weren't fluid enough and he was never adjusted to be where he should have been after his senior season. I think that's a theme with some of these guys ranked high early on, never moved from that spot. Um, but I know with, in our current setup, in our operation, if we were going through and we saw those senior numbers, that would be a, a massive red flag.
0: Before we move on, I think this is a very critical point. I think not just the industry, but I think collegiate programs as a whole have gotten a lot better when it comes to this. What I noticed early on in my career in college football, a lot of teams did not invest a lot of time in senior tape. And if you were one of those teams that did, you could really gain an advantage because there's still that growth and development that takes place from a junior to senior season. And we see a lot of these teams, especially the ones at the top, with a lot of late takes in their class or guys flipping from other programs or doing diligence on maybe teams in the power five that are at a lower level. And you start to kind of see the college football hierarchy starts to take place. That has gotten better, but not a lot of teams still evaluate through the senior year. They set their board, which is why the junior tape is so critical for a lot of players because there's not a lot of teams sprinting all the way through the finish line. So I I find that pretty fascinating, a point that's relevant when you're talking about Hunter Johnson.
1: Well, if I'm in a recruiting department around the country, I'd be invested into documenting, writing up senior evaluations as much as I could, given the current uh, movement with the transfer portal. I mean, how many guys from the, the class of 2023 have already entered and ended up at other schools. We just saw that what Braxton Myers went through spring at Ole Miss. Bam, now he's at Purdue. I mean, that's just one off the top of my head. But
0: when did geez. that happen?
1: Yeah, exactly. That that happened this like in the past two weeks.
0: Wow. How about that? What I'm saying, did know, know that
1: if you already have an eval on that guy, how much right. easier is it?
0: Interesting. All right, Drew. For um, nervousness of not getting the pronunciation right, you want to introduce our our next prospect,
1: Kalan Layborn. Is that? I, I think I'm right.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I just it's going back and forth. In my I'm in my head about these pronunciations.
1: It's all right, man. Oyster boys, we just roll with it.
0: <laughs> all right, take us away.
1: Another 2017 guy. Um, five-star on the composite, came out of Virginia, number 29 nationally, number one, all-purpose back. That's back when we had the different classifications, right? You mentioned Hunter Johnson was a pro-style quarterback. We also had dual-threat quarterback. Now it's just quarterback. Just like with running back, you you had all-purpose backs and and running backs. Uh, Laybourne was classified as an APB, uh, number one player, in Virginia, signed with Florida State, same class as Cam Akers. Um, redshirted his first year on campus, got some burn as a sophomore, dealt with injuries, multiple suspensions, missed two bowl games, uh, eventually dismissed by Mike Norvell in July of 2020 for a violation of team policy. Eventually resurfaces at Marshall. Um, You know, with Charles Huff there, there's some ties to some guys that were at Florida State that were on that staff. Charles Huff, obviously uh, a really good recruiter. I'm sure he crossed paths with Laybourne at some point. Um, This past season in 2023, Laybourne ran for 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, and he was lights out for the thundering herd against Notre Dame. Remember, Marshall beat. Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame early on in the season. Laybourne, 31 carries, 163 yards, and a touchdown in that win. So Laybourne goes undrafted, but he did sign with the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. If you are in a dynasty-type fantasy football league, I think you take a flyer on Laybourne. The 49ers always seem to have these undrafted free agent running backs that get some burn. Late in the season, and I think this is a guy that, even though he wasn't drafted, probably could have some success on Sundays. Just given the profile, this one seems to be more like he wasn't drafted, uh, probably because of age, probably because value of running backs, and just all the off the field red flags.
0: I would tend to agree. I'd, I'd be interested. You know, when Barton was here and charles power is now at on three but the way like those discussions shaped in terms of i guess positional value you know when you look at a running back like layborn and ranked the number 29 prospect per the composite yeah he was on purpose back
1: he was a four star for 24 7 sports i think he's in the the 40s
0: makes sense it's interesting i mean you you talk about his production this year I mean he had over 1500 yards rushing Notre Dame fans are, are quite familiar with him as well he had 16 touchdowns on the season he had 31 carries against the Irish in that win for the thundering herd for 163 yards and a touchdown so I'm with you you as you alluded to earlier you start to look under the hood a little bit look on early early on in his career sounds like a guy that needed a fresh start under Charles Huff got it I think for everything that you said between the positional value between the year that he's coming out you can find backs especially backs under 5 foot 9 right
1: yeah i mean 49ers didn't draft a running back this is probably one of their first free agent calls correct
0: priority free agent pfa right so so
1: so goes back to our question that we got on social hey you guys going to rethink you know running backs and and how that goes
0: answer to that is I think it's always – we just – it's less about the the top 32 and more how you see those guys throughout the entire draft. You know what I was thinking to myself? like Caleb Jackson, he just sticks out in my head. He, last year from Louisiana signed with LSU. Physical back had – I want to say he was sub 10-9 in the 100-meter. Yeah, big sprinter. We, I think we had him in the sixth or seventh round. Yeah. And I think by the end of it, it's so nitpicky, right? And it's really a guy that I could see, like, all right, the ceiling is maybe as high as as day two, which I think that would be a little bit of a reach. But there were really good backs coming off the board in the top two, four, seven in the sixth, seventh round. And it's such a positional value game. Jeremiah Cobb was another one, right? He's going to play his ball at Auburn. So similar to what you and I were talking about with tight ends, Andrew. I mean, what you sent me the other day, talking about the you know, the positional value of that position and then also the quantity and the quality of that position. And I think in the NFL, the other part of this is, is like you can get a similar skill set at a cheaper price in free agency. We're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No ha! tougher. No funnier.
1: I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All
0: right, should we move on to
1: 2018? Well, because Leiburn's the only running back on here. Um, you know, I've been pouring through the draft data. I thought this was kind of notable. We always talk about mileage with running backs. You had seven running backs go in the first three rounds So day one and day two, four of those guys ran for over 2000 yards as seniors. All four of them over 11 yards per carry thought that was notable. And of those seven, Only one of them, sub-11 in the 100-meter dash. Thought that was notable as well.
0: That is a big sticking point. Andrew Ivans, give him a little pat on the back, a little golf clap, our director of scouting. He works hard, puts a podcast rundown together, puts the NFL draft data together. He's out here hustling, trying to give you the best product possible. I promise you that. All right, 2018, Brenton Cox, five-star Signed with Georgia, transferred to Florida. He signed as a undrafted free agent with the Green Bay Packers on Monday. 24-7 sports composite, number 23 overall player. Number two, strong side defensive end. For all the historians out there, that used to be a category. Number five player in Georgia. Senior at Stockbridge, he had 42 tackles, nine and a half for loss, five sacks. Production, a little bit of a question mark there as a Senior. 2018 he played in 13 of 14 games for georgia made his first start in the sugar bowl against texas 2019 he is dismissed from georgia sits out a year goes to florida quiet year in year one two sacks in eight games second team all sec 2021 41 tackles 14 and a half for loss eight and a half sacks super active in 13 games for the gators 2022 35 tackles, 8 for loss, 2 sacks, dismissed after the 8th game through a punch against Georgia. Question mark says Andrew, but we'll have to go back and investigate that a little bit further. So, Andrew, I got some thoughts on this one, but I'll I'll, I'll let you take it away here.
1: I mean, it's got to be the off the field stuff, right? You look at his numbers from the pro day, 6037, 77 wing, 45140, um 7 flat in the L, 4-2 shuttle, 33 vert. I mean, this was a guy that was at the scouting combine. I think it's funny he's going to the Green Bay Packers. I put question mark on through the punch because people believe that's one of the reasons why he was dismissed. And if you look at the Green Bay Packers this past season, they had Quay Walker, who uh, also threw a little haymaker uh, in a game, cost the Packers there. Um, And now Brenton Cox is headed up to Green Bay. I mean, I think it's the same thing as Laybourne off the field stuff, right?
0: I will say this about the SEC and with all due respect to Georgia and Florida, these programs have so many resources in place to make sure that their players stay on the field. And if you're a player as highly regarded coming out of high school as Brenton Cox and you flunk out of both of those programs, that's a huge red flag. And my point being is they're going to give you so many opportunities to succeed because it's important to them that you succeed. So the opportunity cost situation for Brenton Cox to be a guy that had eight and a half sacks in 2021 and is a huge contributor, contributor on that defense and a guy that Billy Napier certainly needs in year one for him to get the boot. Yeah, for sure. And then to go to the combine at 259 pounds and run a four-five-one and a four-two shuttle and a seven-flat L drill and not get drafted, there's, I would have to assume that there's some serious red flags there.
1: I mean, just one more thing on, on Cox. It's like, man, he played for Georgia, right? We talked about Tyreek Stevenson, who started off at Georgia, goes to Miami, gets drafted. Uh, Amir Speed was another guy, corner. Was at Georgia, went to Michigan State. He was drafted. I mean, man, <laughs> go back to what would it be 2019, 2020. I mean, how many NFL guys were there in Athens? I know it's, we keep saying it, but.
0: Yeah, something, it's a secret sauce over there. It's really not that much of a secret. They just do it better than everybody else. All right, Drew, this one was kind of a head scratcher. I, I kind of went back and forth, and I'm like, all right interesting you know this guy BJ foster yeah i don't
1: I, like i don't know i don't know what to chalk this one up to and i and i'm not super familiar with bj foster right. coming well, out
0: it seems like we have our theories about the first three and when i got to bj foster i'm like this one really doesn't make that much sense i mean he had the genetics he was a three-sport athlete coming out Let me get into it. B.J. Foster started his career at Texas, number 24 overall player in 2018, number three safety, number two player in the state of Texas. He's been invited to the Kansas City Chiefs rookie minicamp. So not not signed, invited. He is not a signed undrafted free agent. He finished his career at Sam Houston State as a freshman and sophomore at Texas, played at 22 games. Had 14 starts. He had 80 tackles, six pass breakups, four sacks, two forced fumbles, two interceptions. Not a bad day. 2020, undergoes shoulder surgery. Had a lasting issue there, fractured his hand after punching a car. He also had shoulder surgery.
1: I double noted that, my bad.
0: (laughs) Double noted that, excuse me. Coaching change, quit team midway through a game against utep well that's notable yeah as a starter in 2021 big 12 honorable mention after recording 46 tackles four pass breakups three ints transfers to same houston state as a graduate student pedestrian stat line all whack first team selection so drew his pro day six one two oh three runs Sub 4.6 at a 4.59, 4.37 shuttle, 34.5-inch vert. You kind of look at that. I mean, we're just talking about Brenton Cox, right? Brenton Cox at 2.59 and a shade under 6.4. 4.51. 7 flat L drill. Brenton Cox, 4.2 shuttle. BJ Foster, 4.37 shuttle, right? And that's what the guy that's got 56 pounds.
1: I mean, we, we've said it like hard to kind of put your thumb on, on this one. I certainly think the quitting midway through a game is a, uh,
0: let right me, field. let me interject real quick. I did not see that before I got into this and say, Hey, I couldn't put my finger on it. And then I, I was reading the bio you put in there. As I go, I was like, all right, that might have something to do with it.
1: Oh, I, I think you just rattled off the, the testing numbers. I think this could be a a situation where not, you know, good athlete, not a top 5% athlete. Right. Um, And someone that we're going to see this more and more in college football. All right. You go to a situation. He's there with Tom Herman at Texas, right? New, new staff comes in change, defensive schemes, fall behind some guys on the depth chart, you're injured, lose confidence, you know. I, I think that all needs to be taken into account. At, at the end of the day, some guys just aren't aren't gonna pan out for for reasons, you know, unforeseen at the time.
0: Twenty seventeen Nike combine 192. So we only put on eleven pounds. Ran a four five two had a 33 plus inch vert and had a 427 shuttle. The guys that you see get taken day one to me, they in, like I, I know it's simpleton thinking, but they improve. I, they yeah. develop. It's typically not these guys taking a step back.
1: Oh, on the developmental thing, DJ Turner, right? Fastest guy at the scouting combine. What was he? 426 in the 40 yard dash? Correct. He was a four six three guy spring before his senior season at IMG Academy.
0: That was um same type of story with Sauce Gardner. Now maybe not running a 426, but I think the only time they had on him was mid-four sevens or high four sixes.
1: Yeah. It speaks to what a strength program at a school like Michigan or Cincinnati, which had a good strength program we when you mention development, growth potential, you know, buying in, that's that's what the big boy programs can do for you.
0: All right, let's stay in twenty eighteen. All right, I might need a pronunciation assist here too, if you got it.
1: We need Blair and Gulo for this one.
0: <laughs> we do, we do. Okay. Should I give it a shot? Yeah, go. Pale. God, Close this just sounds wrong. huh?
1: I think it's Guillote.
0: If you know how to pronounce this name, make sure to leave a review and take us through it because we were really struggling here. But he started, it, started his career at USC, transfers to Ohio State, Played at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. He was ranked the number 15 player nationally. Number one inside linebacker. Number one player in the state of Nevada. At Bishop Gorman, 80 tackles, 20 for loss, three sacks, 12 QB hurries, two pass breakups. Goes to USC, gets on the field early, 38 tackles his freshman season, two sacks as well. After his sophomore year, he transfers to Ohio State and then has really seen the field sparingly so never saw more than 19 snaps in any of the appearance his appearances in columbus drew nike camp numbers six two two thirty five four nine five four two eight shuttle 32 plus inch vert his pro day six one and a half two forty seven 50640 and I don't even need I don't even need to say the rest.
1: All right, I pulled up the pronunciation on the Ohio state site. Paula, EA. Na O te Na ote ote. I'm I'm struggling on this one. We
0: apologize Paula.
1: Um You were doing the reaction in the background, red flags, red flag, red flag numbers. Um, I also think with this kid, someone that was probably ranked too high and was never moved off of at a big time program like Bishop Gorman. That's when guys like Bubba Bolden were there. um, Brevin Jordan Tate Martell, Dorian Thompson, Robinson playing some wide receiver. Um, That's when Bishop Gorman had things rocking and, plays at usc gets injured transfers to ohio state i remember when he was in the portal a lot of people were interested um but never never puts it together for the buckeyes and jim Knowles running that 4-2-5 defense if you go back and just read some things you know it seems like he never uh pale really never knew where he fit into the defense jim Knowles didn't know where he fit in um and I think that's kind of the reason why he wasn't uber productive at the collegiate level. But projecting him towards Sundays, um, you mentioned, again, that the testing was, wasn't was there. But also someone that didn't play, you know, not a ton of offensive production, right? Most of these linebackers that were drafted were guys that played on both sides of the ball. A lot of running backs, a lot of wide receivers, Um, By my count, four off-ball linebackers that were drafted in 2023 were billed at one point during the recruiting process as straight-up quarterbacks, meaning they participated in Elite 11 regionals. Um, My quick thought there is read and react, but we know the NFL is a fast game. It's also a game where there's a ton of passing, and I think you need to be able to run, and that's probably one of the reasons why Pale. Hasn't even been invited to a camp. I couldn't find if he had been invited anywhere.
0: The only guy that I can remember that was either four nines or was in the five-second category in the 40 that produced in the league was vontes Berfick, who had elite production at Arizona State. Well, com-
1: compare him to a, uh, another linebacker. I, I don't know if he's in the same class, Noah, Noah, Noah Sewell. Was he in the same class?
0: Yeah, Noah Sewell came to camp at the University of Washington. And I'll never forget it. Weighed in at 262 pounds and ran, I want to say, a 4.62.
1: Yeah, I got his Nike Nike numbers right here. 266 pounds, four seven five four one three shuttle and noah was a guy went both ways ran for over 700 yards and 14 touchdowns his senior season
0: elite athlete and i think he's going to be a lot better pro than he was a college prospect he needs coaching i i don't know if he was ever a natural fit at the linebacker position but he's an elite athlete and i think in this case here when you see these numbers, you have to be able to project them to another position. And in this case, at six one and a half, two forty seven. 247, if you can't run, you're in no man's land. Where are you going to play? In the NFL, you're going to be a 3-4 stand-up outside edge? So it doesn't translate, right? And I think for, for us, and I think we have gotten this point, thank goodness but when you see those numbers they they just don't compute when you're projecting sunday players those are what we call red numbers that means they are below 50 percent of nfl starters average at the position so they're in the 30 to 10 percent range so tough pill to swallow there but if you could go back i think that one andrew is pretty pretty evident right on the miss
1: yeah and again what i said on the front end big school playing with all these other guys you know probably ranked super high early on never moved off them
0: let's keep it going teron vincent another ohio state buckeye invited to the buffalo bills rookie minicamp 2018 24 7 sports composite number 20 overall prospect number one defensive tackle number two in the state of florida his pro day six one and a quarter 304 six foot five plus wing five one five forty four eight shuttle 26 and a half inch vert in high school six one and a half two eighty seven four nine five forty four seven six shuttle 22 and an eighth inch vert so not a lot of differentiation there from from high school numbers at img to his pro day numbers at Ohio State, 60 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, three sacks as a senior at IMG. Saw a little bit of action in Columbus as a freshman. Tours Labrum out for the year the following year. Next year, he's got COVID knee injury that he's battling through. I mean, it's just been, it's on top of maybe questioning the athlete a little bit, it's been a lot of unfortunate situations for him as well.
1: Yeah, and Teron at IMG Academy, I mean, I've, I'm have i trying to dig through my memory bank I, of him being there. I mean, the guy definitely I would have seen. I just don't remember him ever really jumping out to me. I, I think the injuries here definitely played a big part, um, but just not an explosive guy, right? Like off the hoof, just doesn't seem to be super explosive, and he's not the biggest, longest individual.
0: It's a tough room to crack too, man. Like you lose a little bit of ground there and you will get passed up in terms of what Larry Johnson's bringing in that defensive line room. So, and good for him sticking out his career at Ohio State because I I, I do want to say there's nine players on this list, seven of them. Seven of them did not end their career where they initially signed out of high school, right? Teron vincent you gotta you gotta give it to him for sticking it out at ohio state says a lot about the culture there at ohio state too as well Our drew 2019 jaden hazelwood signs with oklahoma out of cedar grove i believe right in yep. georgia transfers to arkansas that was one that was very notable for sam Pittman. he signed as a undrafted free agent with the philadelphia eagles what a shocker howie roseman goes back to the sec again 2019 24-7 Sports Composite, number four overall player. Number one receiver, number one in Georgia. This is a tough tough pill to swallow here. 6'2 half in high school, 196, 4'6", 40. Four, five, two, shuttle, 34-plus inch vert. At the combine, 4'6", 6". 1,000 yards plus, 11 TDs. On 53 receptions his senior year, productive year. But I think when Jaden Hazelwood transferred from Oklahoma to Arkansas, this is not what he had in mind.
1: He was injured, dealt with some injuries, and he had a a nasty knee injury when he was with the the Sooners. I mean, going to Philadelphia, played alongside Jalen Hurts, right? When he was when he was there in Norman. Um Hazelwood, ton of exposure to him, saw him at the Elite 11 finals. He also showed up to Miami's Paradise Camp, same Paradise Camp that Greg Russo worked out at um, years years ago. Went through some drills, really good route runner, um, good in contested ball situations. I I think with him, just was never the fastest guy on the stopwatch. And I think as he, you know, his body broke down a little bit, wasn't as explosive as he used to be. I mean that's just kind of my my view on this from the from the outside.
0: I think the the numbers that we have access to the we keep going by this percentage scale, right? We talk about 90, 70, 50, 30, 10, so on and so forth, but that 462 at the receiver position, that's a red number. Right. So that just means that it doesn't mean that you can't be successful if you're not under that, but there's gotta be other parts of your game that overcompensate. And I think in the, in the case of Jaden Hazelwood, obviously, Andrew, you mentioned the, you mentioned the injuries, lack of continuity for him on the football field. I think all those things start to add up and then you, you look at the testing, probably not somebody you're going to spend a draft pick on.
1: He, uh, his recruitment was wild too. committed to Georgia throughout much of the process, Miami and, and Mark Rick thought they were going to get him. And then it was kind of like in the uh, 11th hour, he picked Oklahoma and signed and then enrolled early. His crystal ball had 22 different predictions, not the different schools, but 22, 22 different forecasts from quote unquote, recruiting experts. You don't see that anymore.
0: Yeah, I'll say this, you know, Chris Peterson had this old adage that he used to say all the time and he truly believed in it. But when it came to character, he said, recruits tell you who they are. You just have to listen to them. So when you follow stories like Jaden Hazelwood, and this is not a knock on his character, but when you see the roller coaster of, Hey, we, we don't know which way he's leaning, we see guys taking multiple visits which that's part of the process. But we see guys committing, flipping. To me, that's just an indicator of what their career is going to be. You know, I mentioned a lot of these guys, seven of the nine that we mentioned here were transfers. And I think in today's era of college football, it's so much more prevalent. So... Coop.
1: Hazelwood released his top five with, like, custom cleats that he wore in, in the state title game.
0: <laughs> and who was I talking about the other day? Sabelle Smalls, right? Yeah. Same way. Like, by the time you're done with Sabelle Smalls as a recruitment, it's like, quite honestly, we don't really care where you go.
1: You're exhausted. Burnout.
0: you exhausted. You know, and... By the time you get them on campus, now you got to go through the de recruitment process. Like whatever just transpired over the last two to three years, it's over. It's not the same. Now you're in a locker room and you got to work to fit in. Different time in college football. All right. Drew, let's uh two more, then let's get out of here. 2020, Eli Ricks. I think this was a big surprise for a lot of people. Number 14 overall player in 2020, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, number two corner, number two player in California, played his ball at modern day and IMG, correct? Yes. Yeah. Signed as an undrafted free agent with Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> Here's one I was really familiar with. Studied him a lot during my time at Washington. I think we knew quite early that that was not going to be one that we were going to be involved with. But I love this guy as a player. And if you were to tell me he would go undrafted, I, you know, I, I, I would have been fairly confident that he would have been a day one or day two draft pick. I think with him though, you want to look under the hood Kind of surprised a lot of people goes to LSU, transfers, I believe, after one year or two years to Alabama, has issues acclimating at Alabama. I think he actually played pretty well, started to click in the last four games of the season or so for the tide. Then declares and didn't put up the best numbers in an undrafted free agent.
1: What surprises me about him not no one taking taking him is length remains King in the NFL, in the secondary specifically on the perimeter, right? Talking about a guy who's over six, two correct. I just, I mean, what, what what do you, what do you, what do you think it is?
0: I think he's got a lot of trying to find out the way to phrase. I think he's got a lot of baggage. I think he had a lot of baggage at, LSU. I think he had a lot of baggage in the recruiting process, and I think he had a lot of baggage at Alabama that they just tolerated. And I think he's high maintenance.
1: Back to the the length, at corner. <laughs> I think this is fascinating. 22 of the 36 corners draft, drafted were over 6 foot. Only 2 were under 5'11". Or, excuse me, only 2 were under 5'10".
0: Who were they? Do we know?
1: Uh, Tomlinson, who's came out of TCU, related to um, LaDainian Tomlinson. I, I'm drawing a blank on his front name. And then the other one, Clark Phillips.
0: Think about how productive you have to be.
1: What I think is crazy is, essentially in the NFL right now, a lot of these base defenses, you have a slot defender, Right and they're still looking for guys that are over 511 to play in the slot.
0: It's a height weight speed game. I know. No, I know. I'm just saying though, but I'm I'm thinking about it a little bit. I mean, we've seen guys sub 510 have impact and have a productive career. To me, they just get they continue to get phased out. Like you really you really got to be special. I mean, Clark Phillips is a very very good football player. And I think that's fascinating for us because how many how many guys do we have to consider in the top two, four, seven that are under five foot ten? A lot. <laughs> you know, it was interesting. Cole Martin was one of those guys last and he, year.
1: And he made plays in Oregon spring game. I think he had a, a big hit or an interception. I can't remember what I read.
0: Good football player, very instinctive. Had the track and field data as well. Was a three-phase player. It's like, yeah, you you love him, but what's your confidence level in him getting drafted, right? He's an outlier, so you kind of play the odds. Last one here, Andrew. Rakeem Jarrett, Maryland, 2020, number 27 overall, number four receiver, number one player in Washington, D.C. Son is an undrafted free agent with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What do you remember about him?
1: I remember him at the Under Armour game in practices think he made some plays um and then i just remember him flipping out of nowhere from lsu to to mike Loxley. that was a big win for locks there in that what are we in 2020 cycle
0: 2020
1: this one's interesting right
0: i always thought watching him in high school like i didn't know how much better he was gonna get I'm like, here's this guy physically developed. He was already over 200 pounds and he tested well. But in terms of the frame, I didn't think that there was that much more room in terms of athletic and physical potential. Production was okay in his last year at Maryland, the year before, I think that was his strongest year in 2021. But I think that's the other part. It's like, you know, we talk about, Growth potential, we talk about ceilings and floors a lot, and I think this is a really good, I don't want to say case study, but really good example of why that's important. It's the blend of, yes, you need to be an elite level football player, but you really need to show the potential of what you have in your body. I mean, you want that, like we we talk about it all the time. For these guys, especially the ones that we rank as five stars, you want the arrow pointing up. You, you don't want a plateau. You want to see that arrow pointing up. So that's why it's important not only to have confidence in the player itself, but the development of the player that has yet to materialize.
1: Seems like a guy that maybe shouldn't have come out.
0: Same with Ricks, right?
1: Yeah. But we don't know we don't know the circumstances. Sometimes these guys have to come out.
0: Sure. I just you know, I mean with Ricks, it's like all right, he starts to starts to put it together. You think about him having another year in the program like that to understand the environment, understand the culture, his job, his responsibilities, what's being asked of him. And there's no better coach to play for as a defensive back than Nick Saban. So you're right. I mean, I don't know if it was the off field. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he was in a rush to to get to Sunday and feel like he's got so much confidence in his talent that it's going to prevail. But it's a lot of money left on the table. You know, even just going from a day three to a to an undrafted. Have you Have you heard about undrafted free agents making more compensation than... Seventh round draft picks.
1: Well, Rakeem Jarrett got a quarter of a million guaranteed.
0: There you go. Which,
1: (laughs) but here's my here's what I also want to say. You know what are what are some of these guys making an nil?
0: Sure. the The other part about it, though, if you're an NFL team, there's some value if you're going to drop a quarter of a million dollars on Rakeem, Rakeem Jarrett. I mean, is it worth trading a future pick to get back into the seventh round to get him at a lower value? Which is, you know, Lance Zerline, who works at the NFL Network, friend of the show. That's what he was talking about, the value in seventh round draft picks just from a financial standpoint for these teams. I'd love to, like, to me, that's the most, one of the most interesting parts of the draft that a lot of people don't talk about. As soon as that last pick is in, I'd love to see what an NFL front office and war room is like because it it goes, it's a little bit of a recruitment process, right? It's completely different. It kind of goes back to college. You got to know these players, the agents, vice versa, need to know the organization's rosters. You got to talk them into the right situation. A lot of people on the phone who's working the phones, right? Is it the scouts? Is it who is it? You know, I think that would be. A cool little Netflix mini-series. Maybe one or two episodes of what that undrafted free agent process kind of looks like.
1: Yeah, I I would be in. Sign me up.
0: All takes place in a couple hours, too, right?
1: Yeah. Most of them are signed Sunday. I think one of the the guys on this list was signed Monday. Who was it? Uh, Brenton Cox.
0: I don't think there's any rules about when those phone calls can start happening either right so like you know if you don't have any picks left but there's 20 picks left in the seventh round and there's a high priority free agent you can then start making those phone calls and really start recruiting you those players yeah which is fascinating drew great job job sincerely from me to you do all the prep work on on all the podcasts.
1: What? So, all right. Big takeaways from this. Give me, give me two or three big takeaways from these nine five stars. You got to give me a conclusion.
0: All right, fifty nine minutes into the show. That was our first Wi Fi issue, I believe. I believe <laughs> I heard what you said, but big takeaways. Is that what? Yeah, just
1: give, give give me give me uh big takeaways.
0: I think quick is. The character can often saturate the talent, even at the NFL level. I mean, I think a lot of these guys have been given every opportunity to succeed. But you look at Brenton Cox, and he has production at Florida going back to the 2021 season. Comes out, has a solid showing at the NFL Combine. Still goes undrafted, right? And gets kicked out of two programs that are going to give him every opportunity to succeed. You look at Eli Ricks, just being familiar with him and his recruitment transfers from modern day to IMG Academy, to LSU, to Alabama, the lack of continuity in a player's career that is that talented is a killer. I mean, think about that. He's an incredibly talented player, but he's got to learn a new system in high school. Same with college. It's not the same uh in in terms of some of the other guys you know we talked at length about hunter johnson i think that's like when you miss on a guy like that at the quarterback position you want to know why you missed which is kind of why i was digging and my point being is there's a lot of reasons for why the industry missed on hunter johnson but those also felt apparent in his senior year of high school my question is Why'd you go with them that high? That, that to me feels like a piggyback ranking. He got to a spot. Everybody got comfortable with that spot. And nobody really challenged it. It might not be the case, but from the outside looking in, that's kind of the feel that I got. Um, well,
1: it's, it's easy. It's easy to, you know, Monday morning quarterback, but I, I, I do think there's some, some truth to that. For me, I mean, yeah, off-field stuff, but just just the red numbers, man. The red numbers, a lot of guys had them.
0: Well, the backer out of the backer out of Ohio well, State out of Gorman. I mean, that's a that just can't happen, right? And like i said you 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 brought up the point it's easy to go back and throw stones in a glass house and i'm not i'm not criticizing anybody like misses happen right but i think for us like our right, lessons learned here from our predecessors the bj foster that's a hard one to explain right difficult like i think we we probably Without knowing the situation or the market there, that's probably a guy that we'd we'd have in the top fifty. You know, I don't know if any uh, Brenton Cox. You're probably still sticking with Eli Ricks. You're still sticking with Jaden Hazelwood. Maybe it's high at number four, but you still love him, right? The Teron Vincent. Maybe the numbers kind of don't wow you there, but
1: production as well. Just three sacks.
0: Correct. So I think that's it. I mean, I think for us is it's hey, if we're gonna have you in the top thirty-two, like you gotta be a box checker. Yeah. From a production standpoint, from an elite level trade standpoint, from a projection standpoint, like you gotta you gotta check all three of those boxes. And that's why I think the multi sport athleticism and Drew, you talk about basketball on this show. I think all of those, they're just, they're supplemental data points. They're just more evidence of the athlete. And I think that's why it's important.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Look, you're going to have misses as evaluators. Everyone's going to miss, right? But you have to accept the misses and figure out why you missed or try to figure out why you missed. That's how you get better.
0: (laughs) Just trying to get better over here. All right, Drew, should we get out of here?
1: Let's get out of here, man. You're in uh, New Orleans. Wedding prep?
0: Yeah, so... I'm going to get off the phone. I'm going to go pick up the wedding bands. It was a surprise to me after I got the engagement ring that there was another ring that you had to buy. I did (laughs) not know that. I didn't save up for that one. So
1: You got a wedding day gift for her, right?
0: No, I didn't know about that either.
1: Oh, man. What is that? Google it.
0: I mean, I got a... I mean, we're going to St. Lucia. Is that not enough?
1: That's the honeymoon, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here.
0: All right, guys. We appreciate you listening to the show. As always, make sure to subscribe and show wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple. For our director of scouting, Andrew Ivins, for producer, Lance Glenn I'm Cooper Tag I hope you join us next week. Thanks for listening.